Welcome back, everybody, to the Stark Wars podcast, where we talk all things Marvel, Star Wars, and everything in between. Please take a moment to check our show notes to find our social media, merch, and more. Today, we are recapping Madam Web in full spoiler details. So if you haven't seen what this is supposed movie, um, then I would get out of here. And actually, don't even... I mean, what am I saying? You don't, like, I'm sure Nathan probably will get into it, but you don't have to see it. You really don't have to see this movie. Uh, it's completely skippable. So if you just want to listen to the podcast, we get that too. Um, but I am here. I spoiled it already. It is my good buddy, Nathan, who's coming with his product placement with Pepsi products and everything in between. How's it going, Nathan? <laughs> I'm good. I was in my apartment researching Madam Web right before we went live. So it's been a fun time. <laughs> Sounds like a great day. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Nathan, here's the thing. Okay, so we we have a relationship that is spanned uh, nearly a decade, um, and you've always been into like the art of a bad movie, right? And I've always told you like, don't try to get me to watch a bad movie. I don't like like I, I just won't. It's painful for me. Like it's kind of like it's almost like I get secondhand embarrassment watching movies like this sometimes. But I have to give you credit because you found a way to get me to watch a very very terrible movie in Madam Web. Yeah, I was actually thinking while I was watching this, it's like Michael drew the line at Morbius, like, no, I'm not watching that. But you vouch to go see Madam Web, which, spoiler alert, makes Morbius look like an absolute masterpiece by comparison. Uh, yeah, here's the thing, and I, I don't think it's like, you know, I don't know that we're going to have, like, resounding, like, you know shit like i don't think we're gonna change anyone's mind about this movie right i think everyone <laughs> listening to this uh either hasn't seen it or um hates the movie there's no way anybody likes this movie um so i don't think we have any like groundbreaking uh you know we're not gonna change anyone's mind with that being said um i mean this is i don't even think like nathan we had some conversations you said that you like you know, there were there were laugh out loud moments. I, I don't even know that I got that. Like, it really was, you know, that like gif of the baby in the car seat with their teeth sticking out, kind of just looking back and forth. That was me watching this movie the entire time. Like, it, it's really it was really cringeworthy and almost to the point where. OK, let's start with this. Nathan, was this intentional? I mean, obviously, like Morbius became such a meme. Um, were they leaning into this? Maybe. I mean, it, it's so actively bad. Well, OK, I've. I actually wanted to ask you this uh, because there are parts in this movie where I don't know how they could look, uh, especially some of Dakota Johnson's line deliveries and go, yeah, that works for the serious tone we're going for here. But the same token, we'll get into it. They actually removed the most memed line from the trailer, um, which kind of suggests to me like maybe they're trying to have some people take this semi-seriously it'd be interesting to track uh as we go along the way here yes for sure and yeah it's it's on every level nathan um i'm gonna throw it to you though first like wh where do you want to start here how do you want to start talking about madam webb well i just the reaction to this is interesting to me um i know I wasn't there for like the reaction to Spider-Man 3 when it came out or uh, like Blade Trinity, another comic book, like these comic book movies that just were very poorly received. But I would say I've been conscious of 
reactions online to comic book movies since probably about 2012 or so. I have never seen a comic book movie that has like a big budget like this get this universally a negative reception. Like I compared it with my friends to Fant Four Stick, but I feel like I at least heard some people saying like, well, Fant Four Stick, it's bad, but it's not that bad. I haven't even heard that sentiment around this. It's just been absolutely raked over the coals by everybody. You know, here's my thing, and I, I this this is what hurts me a lot because I, you know, I'm a Marvel fan. For better or for worse, I I excuse a lot of things when I see a Marvel movie, right? I, I grade them on a different scale. Like typically, especially in the modern day, they're not great movies. Um, but sometimes I'm like, wow, that costume is really cool, or wow, that action scene was kind of cool. There was all there's always something that like keeps me being a Marvel fan. If every movie was like Madam Web, I would hate superheroes. Like it is so be like it is actively boring. Nathan, I told you this like um, I went to the restroom three times during this movie. Granted, I have a small <laughs> bladder, but I can typically hold it. But like every time I got like an inkling that I need to pee, I was like, I need to just get up and do it um, because I just was not having a good time. Okay, so we need to go into our audience screenings of this at some point here. So your screening, you said people walked out of the theater. Yeah, what was interesting, so there was, uh, it looks like, you know, I couldn't really tell, I guess, you know, husband, wife, and a child. Um, <laughs> and I, I assumed that the husband and wife were taking the child to see a Spider-Man thing, yeah. and they quickly realized this is not a Spider-Man thing, and, uh, like, again, uh, if it, if they were there for the adults, you think the adults would maybe hang around? I think the kid got bored, which is even worse. Because that's the other thing. Like, like we've talked about pre-show, Elektra, like, a lot of the Catwoman, a lot of these superhero movies that, like, I really grew up with, actually, like, I didn't think about them critically. <laughs> like, yeah. But it was so bad that a child left. Well, I actually had a very similar experience. So my audience was great. I It was basically, I had me and six other friends come and see this together. So we were all there for the same reason. We were all laughing at this movie. There was a group of like adults right behind us. They were there, I don't think to laugh at the movie, but realized midway through, holy crap this is awful and they were laughing harder than we were so sitting right in front of me though is this dad who brought his son maybe like eight years old and i felt bad for the kid he fell asleep like 20 minutes in the movie and never woke up and i feel bad there uh, this movie is if you take your kid to see something like watchmen I don't have much sympathy for you because it's like an adult geared movie. This movie, I don't know who it's for. No kid is going to like this. They're going to be bored out of their minds. And it's not like intellectual or dark or gritty. It's just really, really bizarre and dull. Yeah. And what's interesting is I feel like this is in a similar, and I know a lot of people are like, think I'm ridiculous for saying this. It's similar to like, you know, a, a Jurassic Park or a Jurassic World movie where like dinosaurs are freaking cool. You can't really mess that up too hard. Spider-Man is cool. I don't care if it's a woman, it, like the suit, the webs, the slinging around, the, you know, the Spidey sense, all that stuff is awesome. Like, like it's so easy to make that cool. And uh, somehow it's like, it's almost like they didn't even get why we like Spider-Man things. I, I don't know. Like I, I'm, 
I don't know. I, uh, the web show Midnight Screenings years back, they did, uh, they covered Jim and the Holograms. It was a movie in 2015. And they made a joke. The whole movie was their origin story. There was like almost no footage of them actually going on their adventures. And a guy on that show, he said it would be like a Spider Man movie where Peter Parker's just hanging out with Uncle Ben the entire movie. And at the very end, Uncle Ben goes and dies. And unwittingly he wrote out a formula for this movie <laughs> yeah um the, i just uh yeah so let's talk about um um i don't know where do you want to go next How, where uh, I, i'm i'm leaning on you here a little bit so i feel like before we get started here we should go into both the press of this movie and also some like behind the scenes stuff with it this movie was pushed back several times it isn't quite to new mutants levels here but it's to the point to where all of the young women in the cast look noticeably younger uh than they are right now um and I find it very interesting that Craven was originally slated to come out before this. Um, and they decided to move this ahead um, for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I'll go ahead and ask you, the first trailer came out and it had one of the most iconic lines of the last few years. So if you could go ahead and play the sound clip Ezekiel Sims. Ezekiel Sims. He was in the Amazon with my mom when she was researching spiders right before she died. So as soon as that trailer came out, people were relentlessly mocking this quote, which uh, someone actually brought up to Dakota Johnson. They said, oh, have you noticed this meme? And she acted all coy with it. Like, no, why would anyone make fun of this? That's a perfectly good line. Uh, and... I don't know why they cut it if they were trying to make this a meme film. So I do actually think they were kind of hoping this would be taken semi-seriously. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, that's pretty damning evidence. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, and here's the thing, like Dakota Johnson, Sydney Sweeney, like I sense no fun or joy in what they were doing. And I think actually this, this line in and of itself, there's no, and I actually like, <laughs> like it's not a bad lot, like written. It's kind of, it, it sounds like a plot synopsis of something, right? Like it's just the delivery. And I think that was a problem with a lot of, uh, to go to Johnson in this movie. I'm playing it again. Ezekiel Sims. He was in the Amazon with my mom when she was researching spiders right before she died. Like, it sounds like she's saying this at gunpoint. <laughs> That's a lot of her performance in the movie where I don't know like what they were going for a lot of the time with her dialogue. It's interesting. I read a lot of like press junket interviews for this because I remember we got a lot of gems from that in our Morbius coverage. So I listened to the director and Dakota Johnson talk about this and they were all about at the end of the day this is a thriller, but it's more a character study. And they're talking about like, oh, we really want to add such depth to the character of Madam Which Web. Which character were they studying? <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. I By the end of the film, I basically is like, okay, she's an orphan and she was awkward with people and she's slightly less awkward with people now. That's basically the breadth of this character that we have. Yeah. Um... So... 
more more uh press stuff behind the scenes a week after the first trailer was released uh dakota johnson left her talent agency which is always a great sign um and then after that our first look at the madam web costume was in the form of a cranberry juice bottle uh they somehow decided that would be a good marketing tactic and i guess we might as well just play the audio clip now uh had this bizarre press junket thing where she gave this line delivery you got it so while my character in the movie may be able to see the future i also can and i know what the future brings i know that when you see madam webb you're gonna love it in fact i think you're gonna see it twice she's lying first of all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she was like looking dead set into the camera the entire time. It gave this weird aura of like she's like trying to seduce the audience into seeing the movie. Do you uh, think she's still in like Fifty Shades of Grey mode, maybe, where she feels like <laughs> I don't know, like <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit what we're watching. I yeah, I I don't get it. I guess I'm trying to think. I saw her in those movies. I've seen her in this. I did you you liked her in Cha Cha Real Smooth, right? Was she in that, or am I confusing her for someone else? Oh, uh, why don't you filibuster while I look? Well, um, because I know there were. I, I have. I, there have been things in the past where I was like, okay, I don't think Dakota Dakota <laughs> Johnson is like a horrible actress. She's not winning any Oscars, but like she does a suitable job. Okay. 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 I'm looking through it right now. She's been in some decent stuff. Like she was in uh, 21 Jump Street, Cha Cha Real Smooth, Peter Butter Falcon, Suspiria, Bad she, Times yeah, at the El true. Royale. Like movies we don't like dislike. Yeah. And that's so, what I'm saying. Like, the social network i don't know i can't even remember what she was doing in that but yeah i mean like i said like i i felt like she's comp like i believe peanut butter falcon i'm sorry i'm still going through i'm like these are really good movies and i've always felt like she was competent and that's where i come into this this does feel like actively worse than anything i've seen her in um maybe besides the 50 shades of grave movies those were or, but i think it's the last one was the exact like, same performance that she gave in those actually like it's a very similar thing to me where she just seems so confused with every it's line like her paycheck uh, she is, yeah, she's entering yeah. her paycheck mode where she's just there for the money <laughs> and i think she <laughs> like I've, i want to give her some credit because again I, I i said this to you like it is so actively bad that you can't, that's why i'm like she's lying when she says people are gonna love this movie because there's just no <laughs> there's no way she believes that like i ugh, i don't know it's just I, I refuse to believe humanity is that low i guess is my point well yeah i mean it, it's kind of like when I posted, I went to go see this last night. I had the hashtag Madam Web for best picture. Like, is she on that level where it's like, oh, yeah, you guys are going to love this. You're going to watch it twice in the cinema. Trust me. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, you know, I, I'm sure that's part. I don't know what all the contractual stuff is, but like, um, I, I think she's being a good sport for a lot of things, and uh, she was really thrown to the wolves. And I, I have seen like some of the press stuff, and it's like she's like having to be the face of like some really bad choices that happen behind the scenes because as bad as she is, like there were some really like con- like in a ground level conceptual ideas that would just it was never going to work. So like. One, another, I'll go ahead and get her one last press junket thing out of the way that was really bizarre, 
where she outright said that she has never seen this movie it doesn't plan to in the near future i don't know if that's an acting quirk like adam driver refuses to watch his own stuff but again optically don't say that to the press uh yeah so <laughs> that's sad <laughs> But in prep for this, for watching this, I went ahead with Morbius. I had a little bit of a reference with uh, Daniel Espinosa. I had seen his horror movie Life. So I thought, oh, S.J. Clarkson, I've never heard of this director. Let me go check out all of her films. Um, and I did. Uh, S.J. Clarkson has directed a film before this. Uh, and it was called Toast. It was a TV movie in 2010. Um, and I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna be blunt here. I've seen two movies from this woman. I haven't seen her TV or her TV show episodes. I haven't seen a competent performance in either of these. So I'm just reporting what I what I've experienced thus far. Yeah, it's it's really incredible. And again, it's uh, so let's talk about uh, also the writer, uh, Matt Sazama. <laughs> um, I, I what I, I just I'm exploring the IMDb now. I, I wanted to see what yeah. he had made. Uh, Morbius. Yeah, might be the best movie he's ever written because we also have Gods of Egypt and <laughs> the Power Rangers movie. Um, not a great resume. And actually, I saw. um <laughs> I saw uh, it was a review from Kit Laser on TikTok, um, and he made a comment about like if you're like striving to be in filmmaking and like you're not, you feel like you're not good enough. There are people like this that just pump out horrible <laughs> stuff, and they keep getting work. And uh, so it, it really is like a hope to like writers and filmmakers out there that like if they can have like a career, like you wrote you know three movies that went to a wide box office. I don't know how well they did, um, but. Uh, they all they all were horrible. So the this movie actually the coverage of it has opened up an interesting discussion. I know Chris Stuckman, a popular YouTube film critic, has talked about this a little bit. It's hard to sometimes draw the line of how much um credit or lack thereof we give to creators with this. So for example, um we don't I generally don't uh, judge writers to such an extent unless it's their baby uh, in the case of the writer for this I <laughs> the entire week it's been kind of funny because the entire time I've just been kind of defensive like hey I liked his Power Rangers movie uh, and so with the writers sometimes I know a lot of the script gets changed as it goes along so it's harder for me to judge and I know the same thing kind of happens with directors but in general, I don't know if this is right. I do chalk it up more to the director for better or worse with these things. I know people have a tendency to say like, oh, like whenever it's bad, the studio's to blame, um, which I do see what they're going with there. But at the same time, I mean, uh, it seems odd to me that they'll say like, oh, into the Spider-Verse is really great and give Sony no credit for that, uh, but only blame them when the movie's bad. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I definitely agree with you there. And and it, I think, you know, it definitely favors certain studios because I, I will say the, the the Sony superhero department, right? There's two ends of the spectrum here. Like the Spider-Verse movies, if that third one hits, it's going to be one of my most favorite trilogies of all time. I love those movies. 
And then they make stuff like this. And then yeah. you look at something like Disney where like, you know, you might have your favorite like sequel Star Wars movie, but they're all kind of the same level of quality. Same with like modern, you know, like they're not great and they're all consistently not great. And it's because of the studio where like, I, I think we can really look like zone in uh, and on the creators of this particular movie, just based on how other movies tend to go in the Sony universe. Also, yes. a question for you. What universe is this in? Oh, so, okay. I So, Sony has been dragging their feet on answering this simple question for so long. Um, I remember it was a whole fiasco with Venom. They kept changing their answer. They had Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, like, in the background of the trailers. And that wasn't in the final movie. So, I don't know if this is true. I can say that it was a rumor from a film journalist uh he said that the rumors around this movie were that they were planning on making madam webb officially confirm that andrew garfield was the spider-man of this universe but and the movie was originally set in the 90s because of that but they realized midway through oh wait we don't want to do that we're going to make it tom holland and then they realized oh shoot we can't have this take place in the 90s so let's say it's the early 2000s so they had a bunch of reshoots with that and then they just decided not to cover it at all yeah and uh you know i'm sure there's just so much behind the scenes stuff just when it comes down to like the rights of spider-man and like i get like wanting to kind of leave it open i'm like i'm okay with that i guess I'm, it's not even really a complaint of mine um like it if the movie was good, <laughs> yeah. but it's not. My kind of, uh, I read up on some comics before we covered this and kind of what you were talking about earlier with the conceptual level of this movie being questionable. A lot of the characters they chose, I find very interesting because I'm not bad mouthing these characters for this, but they, a lot of them were just there to aid in Peter Parker's character arc. I mean, Ma there, Madam Web does not have her own standalone comic. Uh, she is very much a side character. Uh, she like helps Peter along the way, goes into these things, and helps other characters as well. The main villain, Ezekiel Sims, who we'll get to later, he, I, I've read the main comics that he's known for, and he was there primarily to aid in Peter's character arc and go into how his powers work and that kind of thing. So to me, it seems incredibly strange the way they set this up to where it's characters who are there normally to help in the character arc of Peter, except we don't have a Peter. Yeah, and, and that's the problem with, I think, a lot of these, uh, you know, Sony, Craven, Morbius, like, the, the entire conceit was to be balanced off of Spider-Man, and we don't have Spider-Man, obviously. Um, I, I guess we're starting to dive into the movie a little bit more. We do open on, like, this, <laughs> you know, they're, I guess they're spider hunting. Um, but I, one, one thing that I found really fascinating about this movie is, like, there's a bunch of, like, Spider-Man lore without really telling you anything. Um there's just like things that are that like I feel like it could be interesting, you know. I'm not always the guy that like needs everything broken down this much, but like it, you know, it would provide some context. Maybe if there was like, 
a history of like spider people, but like none of it is really explained to us. There just is a spider, and then there are spider people that have like vague powers, and like it it really tells you it's lore without lore. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit, um, and I know this guy's controversial, so I don't want to annoy people here, but it reminds me a lot of what Zack Snyder would do with the DC characters, where he'd take uber specific lore from the comics and then just change stuff arbitrarily and make some stuff unclear. So he's essentially, the filmmakers here are expecting us to uh, fill in some gaps with lore from the comics, but we don't have any faith that they're actually going to stay true to those comics. Like in this case, the comics I read with Ezekiel Sims, and they use that a lot here. It was a very similar thing. He traveled to Peru. He did a ritual to get spider powers. And later on, he attacked the hero because he was being hunted down uh, because of that ritual. That is the very basic thing, but the entire path getting there was a hundred percent different. And so it really feels weird how much they're cherry picking because it's not as though like, oh, spiders in Peru, that's the thing that made people love this comic book. Uh, so I don't get why they kept certain things over others. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, what else do you have on that? Like I, you, you gave me, you showed me a snippet of your notes and I noticed that we noticed a lot of the similar complaints, especially at the beginning of this movie, like weird, weird, uh, baby that, uh, <laughs> is like that the cleanest baby of all time. And it was also like four months old, um, that just came out of the water um so th <laughs> and it was not a wet baby um also uh, the weird whole... spider jumping there's a lot of weird stuff in this opening so let's just go from the beginning so we're 1970 peru um so constant webb who's M madam webb's mother is in the amazon looking for a specific kind of spider now one of the first shots we get in the film is holding her Nikon camera, taking a photo of a spider web. I swear the letters on that Nikon camera couldn't possibly be any bigger, uh, which oh, one of the biggest themes of the movies here, uh, weird spider web, like adjacent placement and product placement. Um, we have, uh, so we have a weird dialogue exchange here. We have Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel's with her for this. And he says, uh, in his horrifically dubbed voice, he goes, uh, I've heard these spiders could give people superhuman strength. And then Constant goes, let's keep this to science, please. I've just heard that the spiders can cure any illness known to man. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Strictly science here <laughs> it reminds me a lot of the assassin's creed movie that came out years ago when they're like oh we need to keep things based on science that's why we need to find the apple from the garden of eden uh <laughs> <laughs> the uh, i gotta i i gotta get into this immediately every single time ezekiel sims talks in this movie it was a punchline in the theater like my my buddy and I, we laughed every time he opened his mouth because the ADR on him is the most unconvincing thing 
I have seen since Tom Hardy's Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, but at least there, there's like a mask on him. In here, I don't know what happened. And on top of that, his line deliveries are horrendous. They're some of the worst I've ever heard in a movie like this. So I can only imagine, like, either A, all his dialogue was changed, or B, like, did someone drop the boom mic? What is going on here? Yeah, I uh, th that you're asking the questions that I was gonna ask you, like my friend, like because this doesn't really happen a lot. Um, like I might see like an like a single line that feels a little weird, but to have like an entire person like have an ADR voice is just and and very very bad. Like there there were definitely like side shots of his face lips not moving and just a voice like i'm like i don't know if he's thinking or speaking right now and what <laughs> i'm supposed to believe um i just i don't know what could have gone wrong I, I did still on the imdb here switch over to this man's imdb yeah i i don't recognize a lot of this stuff um he was in napoleon i didn't see that don john uh, or don juan um yeah like movies i've heard of at least but <laughs> i don't know like okay, I this man might be the next Marlon Brando. He might be the best actor known to mankind. This is the worst performance in a big budget movie I have seen in a long time. Like there isn't a single line delivery from him that's okay. He says everything with this really weird monotone voice and this really weird draw to it. Um going through with the plot here, the so they go over we're not we're not superstitious we just want this magic spider that saves people from dying um and so they like leave and ezekiel comes back to camp and then within like 20 seconds constant web comes back with the jar she's like i found it i found the spider and this is the first time in my theater where the audience started audibly laughing ezekiel immediately pulls out a pistol and shoots everybody um and he weirdly stops with her, uh, like these random like tour guides, like they can die, but this one woman, wh whatever. Um, and so he shoots her, he takes the spider, and uh, I loved this brilliant dialogue here. Uh, Constance says, but we can help so many people. And he replies, I'm not interested in helping people. No one helped me when my family was starving. My road was not as clear as yours. Truly a, a complex figure we're dealing with here. Really just like reading out character descriptions at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, here's the thing. And I think actually like throughout the plot of this movie, like, I can kind of see what they were going with, right? Like, I feel like the the skeleton of this movie, it could have been something maybe because, like, I get it. Okay, he's having dreams that are foreshadowing his death and he wants to stop that, right? Like, that feels, the dreams are kind of weird, feels like a realistic enough story to go with, but then it lacks any of the cool stuff that could possibly go with it, right? Like, let's strip like this guy of having anything cool they call what they call him ceiling man for half the time because that's all he does he <laughs> like he's not like a cool spider-man by any means and then the other characters are like gonna be spider people i guess 
I oh speaking of spider people, these random like uh, th- this is another point when my audience started like audibly laughing. These random spider people in like red war paint and like it looked like fishnets slash bones like came crawling out of the woods to save her. And they brought her, t- they bring her to this cave and they like give birth to her in this cave water after she's bitten, which it do- don't, it doesn't save her. But it does give her power, her daughter psychic powers, which that makes sense. She must feel really dumb saying that this spider can save so many people and then immediately (laughs) (laughs) die. Uh, Damn it, I just risked everything for this. The uh, this is a through line with this movie. The directing is bizarre. Um, the, the directing combined with the editing, at least like in this case, the cuts of the Spider-Man, like the way they're moving, the way they're jumping, the, this direct SJ Clarkson apparently has some kind of S fixation with, uh, like gimbal shots where it like changes from like, uh, upside down to right side up or vice versa. And they do that so many times that it just becomes obnoxious. It hurts your head. And they also have this weird habit where they keep like panning right or left down that kind of thing. And it, they do it in either one of two ways. It's either like this where it's in the trees and it's super comedic because they're like panning super, super fast or in other scenes, they like pan way slower and it goes down and it reveals nothing, which is also quite funny to me at least. Yeah. The spinning shots are definitely annoying. The I think what makes it even worse is a lot of times they they opted to do that. It was when other characters were also like, you know, either it was during like the very few action scenes when like, you know, a character is like jumping and they're also spinning the camera. So it's like you're rotating not only the subject, but the camera in two separate directions. I have no idea what's going on <laughs> half the time because of it. Like, it is so confusing. Uh, again, like the camera motions by themselves, I could tolerate. But like, it, it's just it's a lot. It's a lot all at once. Well, and on top of that, it's not even a thing where like, oh, Transformers, where there's so much happening that's hard to make out. A lot of times with this, at least to me, it comes off as a huge crutch because they're constantly moving the camera around to hide from the fact that the choreography is really lacking. For most of these fight scenes, it's a, it's even hard to call it a fight scene because it um, all amounts to him either pushing someone or someone like waving a knife at him, essentially. Yeah. Um, okay, so where do you want to go next after we get out of here? I, I want to talk about this because this is we're going to get into um, Adam Scott's character, I, Uncle Ben, I guess. <laughs> um, which actually. Adam Scott might be my favorite actor in this movie, um, especially coming out of uh, Severance, which is one of my favorite TV shows in many years. Um, he does an incredible job there. Really, like, I was a big Parks and Rex guy, but, like, it really sh- showcased him as, like, a dramatic actor that you can take seriously, right? Um, so, like, again, you know, Dakota Johnson, Sidney Sweeney, they might have passable jobs this is a guy that I could maybe see winning an award one day if he selects the right things. What is he doing here? And also, similar to Dakota Johnson, 
I feel like he's just cashing a check because there's nothing, there's there's no passion in anything he's doing. It so they make it very clear early on that this is Uncle Ben, um, and in a movie full of baffling dialogue and weird stuff that would be quoted, it's amusing to me that the thing all of my friends pointed out as soon as we left the theater was how ham-fisted the dialogue was with him. Uh, one of the first exchanges between him and Dakota Johnson is her saying, have you never been shot at in Queens? Oh, like, get it? It's foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, yeah, the the way that they were acting in this first scene with him and uh, Dakota Johnson was so weird to me. I get that there's kind of like um, what's the word like uh, black humor that comes from working in uh, like gallows humor is the word that they use for it. Like they have kind of a stressful job. They're kind of joking here, but the same token, like a person is dying in the back of this ambulance and the way that they're talking you would think it was like a freaking variety show they're constantly cracking one-liners and it feels really weird did you find that to be the case imagine that being like the your your final experience dying in the back <laughs> of this ambulance with two uh paramedics wisecracking <laughs> feels it's, like it and I, I see what you're saying like that you know that could be you know some way to cope with something but also just insanely disrespectful to the person uh having like the most traumatic experience of their life <laughs> there's a point where dakota johnson literally goes she's not going room temperature on my watch <laughs> just uh, again read the room here a little bit buddy <laughs> we get um the first uh great transition here it transitions from them her honking her horn into her in the hospital getting a Pepsi out of a vending machine, um, <laughs> which is one of many Pepsi product placements throughout this. There was like a whole conversation about Pepsi, but the weird thing to me was it wasn't like <laughs> crack open a delicious crisp Pepsi. It's like Dakota Johnson's like, I don't want this shit. Give me a beer. Like she, like she's <laughs> not like. I want to know what like. <laughs> <laughs> the Pepsi correspondence had to say about like it wasn't like an exciting moment to have a Pepsi. Okay, let's just go into the Pepsi like right now. So the first Pepsi is them both drinking Pepsi in their like uh break room, I guess you'd say. And then it's that where she's like, get this away from me. I need a beer. And then the final one, and my favorite one of all of them, of course, is when Pepsi saves the day at the end. The entire climax takes place in a building with a gigantic Pepsi sign. And the Pepsi sign ends up falling and killing Ezekiel. So, in a way, Pepsi kind of saved the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In a certain sense. Pepsi was the best superhero in this movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's another... Okay, I, I know we're getting off topic here, but like... We can jump around. I, I remember in Morbius, like, we were... I was telling you about, like, how Morbius was weird in that this man, he does almost nothing heroic outside of solving problems that he caused. And they tried to one-up that with this by just having a person who's not a hero and doesn't really do anything heroic at all. It, they're really reaching new levels here. 
Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. Like, I, I think uh, we actually, at some point in the movie, we finally do have, uh, you know, someone with a superpower. Um, but also, like, there are moments, jumping ahead, of course, but there, there are moments where, like, the the three teenagers are like, why are you helping us? And she's like, I don't know. Like, she doesn't. <laughs> like, neither do we, kids. I can relate to you. <laughs> like, she says, I don't know. I don't know why. Like, that. there's no. Like, <laughs> oh, we we get uh we get a very ham-fisted line there. Oh, we get two of them like almost back to back because they're in the break room. They're reading their fortune cookies, and uh, Ben says to Dakota Johnson, uh, "Oh, let's see what your future holds for you." <laughs> uh, and then we go back to her apartment, and okay, another through line with this: there is a shocking amount of similarities between this and the Halle Berry Catwoman movie. And this is one of the first ones. She's in her uh, city apartment, and she lets a stray cat inside to drink milk. And I swear this is a real line in the movie. She goes, us strays have to stick together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um... You did it, Nathan. You convinced me to watch this. <laughs> well, no, that um, was from the movie. That yeah. was from Madam Web. Yeah. 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 Uh, what's next here? Uh, so, okay, another obnoxious transition here. She's like doing typical ORF stuff. Like, oh, my parents are dead. So let me look at stuff from my dead parents because they're dead. Um, and she looks at her like trunk full of stuff. By the way, so she's born in Peru, and this like these like Amazonian tribesmen find her and like help the mom give birth to her, and the mom immediately dies. And the next thing we know, she's like an EMT in New York. Um, did they like mail her to America? Was did they? Can you just do that? Like, oh, she's from America, so where's the mama? Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, here's this baby. Send her away. Uh, so anyway, and apparently they gave. They went back to the site and got her briefcase. Uh, these Amazonian tribesmen, tribesmen, they work in mysterious ways. Um, and so anyway, she's looking at this trunk full of stuff and she shuts the trunk and this immediately transitions to her inside an ambulance. It, the editing in this movie reminds me of like Saw 4, like not even one of the good Saw movies. Like one of them were like, notice my editing. I'm so brilliant. Uh, <laughs> and so we see her trying to save this guy who's on this bridge so this man, I I don't know what this dude was smoking, but we need to ban it because holy crap, he flip. Not only did he break through a cement barrier on a bridge, but he somehow also managed to flip over his entire car while doing it. Yeah, there's like some severe misunderstanding of first responders in this movie and like the <laughs> dangers. Like the the first rule, like because I, I went to EMT school for a little bit, I did not complete it because I realized that I I don't want to be these people. Um, but like it, it's you don't put yourself in danger to rescue someone else because if you are in danger, then you can't help anybody, right? Um, the fact 
I just the fact that she ended up uh, in the vehicle and then, then it, it went over with her is incredible. Like it, conceptually, this 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 vehicle teetering on the edge of this bridge, like you should never been inside of there. Uh, and we see this throughout, like when there's a, a, a car wreck with the ambulance later on, like they just zoom through. <laughs> like, I realize you have your lights on, but like, if you what if you've ever seen an ambulance with their lights on, they stop it four ways. Like they don't just zoom through it. Like it, it really is like, I don't know. They gave a bunch of people that have never seen what a first responder does and said, all right, how do they do this? Like the job is dangerous and we uh, love our first responders I don't, but they don't actively put themselves in these situations is what i'm getting at well uh, it's funny you mentioned that because uh i was sitting next to a guy the entire movie one of my friends is a firefighter slash emt and the entire time he was cringing so hard at this so this guy he's somehow breaks through a bridge and flips his car over it's like teetering over they send one ambulance over uh and they just let these like two handle this while they're over there and she falls into the water uh while inside this car and she while she's in the water Another similarity to Catwoman, she drowns and this activates her superhuman animal powers. Uh, and the way they choose to represent it, uh, do you think they're trying to be like Doctor Strange here with this kind of trippy stuff with her powers? Maybe. I'd, I I guess. I could, that's the best way to, you know, I didn't really consider that. But yeah, that's probably what they're going for. It ended up looking credit. the effects on her web, like, and all of that looked really unfortunate. Uh, I mean, I'm just gonna put it blunt here. It looked like ghost sperm the entire time, and it it's especially bad in the climax because it's like everywhere, um, and the entire time it's like floating, and I could not take it seriously the entire time it was on there, so. Anyway, we she gets out of the water, and again, these first responders, they New York, they are low on uh, volunteers because this woman, <laughs> this woman who's a first responder, falls into the water while in this car, and they send one guy to come and help her. <laughs> so Uncle Ben comes up and saves her, and uh, he saves her from drowning. So he's like doing her vitals, and. Uh, he says, like, oh, man, this looks bad. You need to go see a doctor. And she has a fascinating reply in which she says, I don't need a doctor. I trust you. But he just <laughs> said to go see a doctor. Yeah, this is also where we get her first, um, I guess, yeah, her first shot at the future and things are confusing to her or whatever. Uh you know, very, the, whenever this happens, you know, we get a close up on the eye sometimes. Very much like That's So Raven. Uh, I don't know if you've watched that oh, show. Oh, Michael, I'm so glad you brought this up. Raven Simone promoted the movie. They hired her to promote the no movie. No way. They said, I swear it's like Raven Simone, like looking at her phone. She goes, Oh, I like women who could see the future. That, that <laughs> might be one of the best decisions they made in the marketing, actually. And it's not that great. So. <laughs> uh, maybe i'm trying to think 
other than like Wizards of Waverly Place, are there that many Disney Channel sitcoms that have been translated into like serious action films, like based on general premise? Yeah, no. I don't like I'm so. waiting for the dark and gritty reboot of like uh, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody or something. iCarly. <laughs> <laughs> um so oh okay so uh we get back to ezekiel sims they cut back to him he seduced an nsa agent and this was also a really weird dialogue exchange here they like they wake up in bed next to each other and ezekiel's like "Ah, oh god oh god and she's like did you have a bad dream and he goes i can't do his thing justice so just imagine i'm saying this super unnaturally and poorly dubbed (laughs) he's he's like uh it wasn't a dream it was a vision of what is to come every night the same dream of when they kill me and she goes well everyone has bad dreams and it's like no it's not a bad dream it's a vision it's a premonition and he goes i know exactly how i'll die and she goes well, we're all gonna die someday. And again, is this like supposed to be comedic? This woman isn't picking up at all what on <laughs> earth he's saying here. Um, so anyway, the whole thing here apparently Ezekiel has like rogue powers where he like drains the life from somebody, um, and he kills this NSA agent to have live feed surveillance footage of all the cameras in New York. Now uh, you would really think with technology like that that you would hire a lot of people to look at that. I mean, just think of, like, I work at, like, a Target. Like, we have one guy for that, but, I mean, even that's a lot for him. So I'm sure he's going to hire dozens of people to help with this. I'm just certain. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was interesting how they kind of set this up because he leads with, like, technology's advanced so much we can we can finally track people and i'm sitting there i'm like yeah you know really has you know today you know like social media you know facial recognition like i t- wait it's 2001 what are you talking about no <laughs> none of this exists there were still box tvs what are we talking about i think that was kind of the idea like i read an interview where like the director was like oh that's such a cool part of this movie not everyone just has cell phones they can't communicate like that um, but this dude has like picture clear video of all these cameras he can just access. And there's some things here like, I, I, okay, I get that the NSA like probably has a lot of control over things, but like bureaucracies are notoriously slow. There's like a lot of checks and balances, but apparently he just needed to sleep with this one woman and get her password and all of a sudden he has access to everything he has every camera system and later on he is able to change all of the uh stoplights in the entire city to green like can the nsa just do that what is there any scenario where that would be useful absolutely not (laughs) or at least like okay this isn't a good movie but like the die hard four like, okay, that movie had a similar premise where they hacked into this stuff, but it was like a whole network of hackers. It would be like in Die Hard 4 if, if instead of that, it was just like, hey, I bummed this password from this one guy. We're in the entire government now. <laughs> they are the government. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me. Uh, so 
we cut back to the my favorite scene in the movie, the baby shower scene. Um, and by favorite, I mean I could barely watch this again. This was painful. Uh, the at this point in the movie, when uh, they're she's like having small talk with like some friends, I guess, around this grill, and it's all dialogue like, huh, "Don't give him control of the grill; he'll get rid of all the flavor." Oh, I'll take control. Even worse. <laughs> um, and a buddy of mine looked over to me and goes like, dude, this is like a religious film without the religion. Uh, <laughs> and it was a very similar thing. Them trying to build rapport. I mean, uh, the aliens who wrote this are struggling here. <laughs> it is like, that's the thing. Like, you know, one of these lines, you know, would be like a throwaway, like just something to kind of build the scene a little bit. They have like a whole conversation about the, the burgers. <laughs> like, can we please get to the Spider-Man stuff? And also, here's the other thing. So we get to like the actual, they're like guessing the name and we know what the name is, but it's yeah. played like we're not like it's going to be a reveal. And we're like, oh, who is this character? Like, because we don't get the name. They don't ever, they don't ever say it. They leave before they, they hear the name. But it's like. We know what the name is. Like, why are this you playing with us? This whole thing was bizarre. They play this game where it's like, oh, what's your favorite memory with your mother? And the, so they like also put in like little paper slips. Oh and the, God, this like, was the, so good. <laughs> the mother has to guess who wrote which. So the first one she reads was, my mom always cut the crust on my sandwiches. Though that's some kind of unique thing that anyone like could guess, it would be like me saying like, "Oh, my favorite memory with my dad was when he drove me to school." Uh, and then they get she she goes like she pulls out the next slip of paper and she goes, "It's blank. Who wrote this?" This is my favorite all, part. They all look at Dakota Johnson and they're like, "What's wrong with you?" And she goes, "Well, my mother's." my mother's dead and they're like oh uh that's just, and that's just socially unaware thing to do like why why would you put them just don't participate in the game maybe or like don't be like don't be like don't trauma dump on everyone in the middle of a baby shower i don't know and she like goes in further this is the one part in the movie where i'm like surely they're trolling like surely they're trying to meme this because then uh, dakota johnson immediately starts going into like oh no um i i never had a mom she died in childbirth cut to the pregnant woman in the room and she goes <laughs> like well but that's rare she was in the amazon they don't have very many hospitals there cut back like okay let's move or like everyone is being so unreasonably douchey to her this entire <laughs> scene it's really unintentionally funny yeah uh, no, this is great. Just why would you put a piece of blank paper in there and then also own it and then continue? To, yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, but uh, also another great, you know, just another scene full of like just ridiculousness is when they're pulled out of the baby shower and have to go to their next emergency. Oh yes. <laughs> so this is throughout all of this. We're kind of skipping over it. Like you all don't need to know this. A lot of these scenes are just there to set up how her powers work and how she's learning how her powers work. I found all of this to be incredibly repetitive. 
Um, and I know that's kind of the idea is that she's able to see it beforehand, but the way they present it, it just gets so tedious so fast. And this is already a movie that doesn't have a lot of meat on the bone here. And when we're hearing them cover like the baby name guessing like for the third time, it's like, okay, can we move on here a little bit? <laughs> and so they're, they're at this building and I guess it's this fireworks building that's like on fire, um, that they're trying to put this out. Uh, do you want to go into this? <laughs> um, yeah, just a lot of the like, again, like <laughs> just some a misunderstanding of like what's going. On. There's a moment I can't remember. You're gonna have to help me. Another like laugh out loud moment for me. Oh, okay. Okay, so they're like, dude gets in the truck like he's in an ambulance. He's like, I gotta go and. Uh, Cassie's like, no, no, I had a vision that you're gonna die. And he goes, No, I'll be okay. Drives off like a block, and this truck comes out of nowhere, just rams him, immediately kills him. Yeah. It's so it's straight out of robot chicken. I don't know what they were thinking. It was so unintentionally funny. <laughs> and and totally at fault the this driver. Yeah. Like I would have been like, wow, you really you really had it coming. Again, like we don't run stop signs even with your lights on. Um, no, I was thinking there was a moment where like Dakota Johnson reminds uh, Adam Scott like how to do his job. Like yeah, I, I don't remember yeah. the line delivery exactly, but she was like, "It's probably like an internal injury." He was like, "Good, good call." It's like <laughs> shouldn't that be like on the checklist? I don't know. Um, <laughs> there, there are two kinds of injuries. Maybe you should know both of the two I, am i am i asking too much here it's not even like a specific thing it's either internal or external like that that should be yeah um but yeah no th this is ridiculous and this character who like this was the burger guy right at the party and <laughs> yes our favorite <laughs> the only thing we knew about him is that he ruins burgers and now he's dead and like it was played it's such an emotional scene and i i, I was glad he died <laughs> he he is he ruins burgers he ruins ambulances the whole he world sucks. <laughs> it's like it's one character trait so cassie after all of this like uh oh after this actually uh, i'm sorry Let, let's just go ahead and go straight to cassie's recovery we'll get back to ezekiel they keep cutting to him but we'll get back to that soon so cassie goes to the doctor and she's like I've been having premonitions that like people are going to die and it turns out right. And the doctor's like, Oh honey, you just need to go and eat some cereal, baby. Just chill out for a little bit. It's like, okay. Um, no one listens to people in this movie. And anyway, she goes, go home and watch some old movies. And I, it's hard to say cause it's audio, but I imagine in parentheses there, it says, please make them public domain for the filmmakers. So Cassie in the middle of summer goes home and turns on a Christmas carol. <laughs> um, so it's either one of two things here, either a TV station just happened to play a Christmas carol in the middle of summer or Cassie actively went out of her way to get like the VHS of this movie and turn it on. And she immediately starts bantering with like, Oh, Scrooge, the future can't be changed. Don't you know? Like, did she turn on this movie for this purpose to banter with it? I... <laughs> she does talk to herself a lot. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's very on uh, the nose, this movie. Um, so I guess we could talk about 
um ezekiel sims real quick because we're kind of getting into the train sequence bit here ezekiel the genius he is he uh hacked into the one password uh, and now he's in control of the entire u.s government essentially uh and he knows where all three of the spider women are and they're all going to the same train station at the exact same time on the exact same train um and he in order to achieve this goal watching thousands of cameras at once he hired one whole woman to look at them for him <laughs> yeah and so anyway this is another one of those shots that like was really unintentionally funny to me they're like inside the train station that it like starts like way high up on the ceiling and it slowly pans down revealing that's a train station <laughs> i swear that shot lasts for like six seconds <laughs> okay uh <laughs> so we these three women are on this train and dakota johnson also just happens to be on this train at the same time and she has a vision that ezekiel walks in like just normal suit and murders all of them so she's like everyone get off the train it's an emergency and um so they get off and ezekiel all of a sudden is in a spider-man costume now um he was apparently totally cool with just murdering three people in broad daylight. And then he's like, Oh shoot. Uh, maybe I should hide my face a little bit here. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of couple things like this when like, you know, obviously she's changing the future with a lot of the things going on here. Um, they don't ever, they're not interested in grappling with what that really means or anything. Like uh, I feel like you know, time, whether it be time travel or visions, whatever, like typically there's something there's usually some sort of ramification or something with changing like the sacred timeline as the MCU would call it, you know, but they they have no interest in, in any of that. Like it, it's just really random to me. Yeah. It's in part of the movie. I don't, the tagline of the movie was her web connects them all kind of thing. And this is just such I'm sorry, a lazy plot like element to put in this movie where so many things and coincidences and contrivances can just be boiled down to like, well, it's the spider web connecting them all. Like we don't need a justifiable reason why all three of these women were in the exact same train at the exact same time, right when Ezekiel found them. Uh, it can we could just say the the web. I mean, it's a spider like totem or whatever it connects them all. Um, so it's really convoluted here. Ezekiel ends up killing like three, I think like five police officers in broad daylight. And then, um, so Sydney Sweeney offhandedly says like, what are you trying to kidnap us? And somehow someone didn't see Ezekiel kill five police officers, but they heard that one offhand comment. And now everyone is after Dakota Johnson. <laughs> Speaking of like Disney shows, like Disney, like uh, Disney Channel shows, like this seems like a plot of like one of those episodes that's just like, or like, or like something ridiculous, like from like Kirby and like something Larry David would find himself like involved with, like clearly just absolutely a ridiculous situation. So I've, I never thought I'd be researching NYC uh, 
taxi cab like signage rules here so later on the film so dakota johnson she steals this cab and she makes it a point later on to remove the license plate because like people look for the stolen cab but there's a big old light on the top of it with like numbers and letters on it again i'm no cab expert here I, I do feel like that probably signifies something. Like maybe that they could help them find something on there. Yeah, it's very it's an identifiable thing for sure. Um. <laughs> I I also loved this dialogue here. What we know essentially about Madame Webb by this point is she is awful with other people, like just cataclysmically terrible. I mean, earlier we skipped over this, but this kid was like, "Thank you for saving my mommy." And she's like, get away, you little twit, essentially. Um, and here, they're, they're like, oh, my God, what just happened? They're in the back scene. She goes, can you please shut up? It's like a nail <laughs> drilling in my head. And then there's like an awkward pause there. And then they go like, so um, what are your names? <laughs> this isn't how a person acts. No. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot um, of funny stuff uh, with the taxi throughout the, the rest of this movie. I, just since we're talking about the taxi now, I got to mention my favorite is when they're in the woods. How did the <laughs> taxi get into the middle of the woods? Like, it's so out of place. And there's also, like, trees behind it. Like, it's like they airlifted this thing in and, like, fitted it into the forest. And then later we see her, like, just zooming through. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in a wooded area. Like, I don't, I don't think you get a taxi in there. And that that's not cons all this giant yellow taxi in the middle of the forest. Uh so the oh, I actually misquoted her. Her quote was worse than what I painted it as. She said, Your voices are like drilling in the center of my skull. <laughs> Again, that is a choice in dialogue there. Yeah. So this is probably the biggest, I would say, just outright plot hole in the movie. I know Dakota Johnson, I know they think for some reason she kidnapped these three girls, but even with that, they should still absolutely go to the police here. Like one million percent. Yes. Um, of course. And all three of the girls, like they may not like her, but there's they have no reason to say that Dakota Johnson is kidnapping them. <laughs> Just be honest. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, there's a crazy dude in a black, like, leather outfit who's murdered five cops maybe you should look into that yeah. uh can you please help us um and so dakota johnson they get into the woods and she's like hey guys uh just stay here i'll be back and okay um and so the, they're around like this campfire and dakota johnson goes back to her apartment and she looks in her like chest of like orphan kid stuff and like she's like oh she was in the amazon researching spiders i already knew this <laughs> um and so she leaves the apartment and then it cuts back to like the three girls and they're like um you know what i'm hungry she's not coming back and to be fair to them it's like pitch black right now was dakota johnson gone for like eight hours what is going on here <laughs> so. yeah uh i mean that's the other thing is they did go i, I don't know how 
like conceptually, I don't know how they ended up in the woods. I, I, I don't know. To be fair, I don't know a lot about the, um, I guess the the landscape of New York City or Queens, but <laughs> I, I imagine you had to drive pretty far to get to like a wooded area. Well, I guess I. Do they know at this point that Ezekiel has access to all these cameras? I guess not. That like, would be crazy it, to assume because that would be impossible. Yeah, but. like so there to me there it makes no sense to drive to the woods. Cuz like if this were a horror movie we'd go you idiots. Uh you don't want to go out in the middle of the woods where no one will be able to find you. So anyway, they're out in the middle of the woods but they're able to just casually walk over to this diner uh to eat some and uh another weird uh parallel with the Halle Berry Catwoman movie they start playing the song Scandalous by Miss Teak um, and so they have the thing where it's like really playing kind of subtly you can't really hear it but it's like in the background audio and then they slowly amp it up as they're walking to the diner and the choice in where they decided to uh, have the lyrics pop in loudly what, for minor girls was interesting. The first line we hear loudly with lyrics is straight talk sex appeal. <laughs> <laughs> like they had, that was a choice in the editing group. They had to yeah. think that through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing that like, um, I, I think the marketing for this movie too was very much leaning into like uh, the, the internet's obsession with like Sydney Sweeney. Like the first photo that came out was, was of her and like her schoolgirl outfit, like the mini skirt, um, which is like a really weird thing when you consider that she's a high schooler in this movie, but yeah. also like they're just not willing. They're both like trying to do that, but also not own it. Also, like Sydney Sweeney is like not a nerd. Like you, you could never cast that person <laughs> as a nerd. Um, just to my like just basic stereotypes. I don't know. Maybe that makes me shallow, but uh, I don't see okay, it. Okay, Michael, who's more of a nerd, Sydney Sweeney in this or Andrew Garfield in the first Amazing Spider-Man? Ah, uh, okay. So you know that's a. <sighs> I, I guess I don't know. Like she's, I, and that's the other thing is like there's nothing like particularly nerdy about her besides just being awkward and having glasses right like there's not like yeah. uh, the the quirk like she's not a science kid or like i don't know like it, it, maybe i'm nitpicking <laughs> the um dakota johnson comes back to the cab and sees that they're all gone she's like oh dang it maybe i shouldn't have left them for 14 hours that might have been a mistake and she had all of a sudden we don't realize this but it's a vision that she has where she drives over to the diner and Ezekiel's murdering all of them. Um, and this is the one thing in the entire movie I give it credit for. This is like the one clever decision I think they made. Uh, in the cab that she was driving, it was uh, they were playing Toxic by Britney Spears, and that song played subtly. We thought it was being played in the diner, but it was actually from her perspective being played. Uh, from the cab and kind of like when you're in a dream and you could still kind of hear the stuff that's going on around you i thought that was a clever through line to put in there so i, I gave the movie a, a pat on the back good job there movie 
Yeah, again, just besides the fact that toxic is like the most on the nose possible thing you could possibly <laughs> play in the scene where this toxic man is spreading toxins. Uh, yeah. I would agree. Uh, the so she drives over there. Um, all the girls decide, which is weird. They're like, they decide to get on top of this table with all these like high school jocks. Um, because that's what teenagers do, right? Um, and Dakota Johnson rams into the building like with her car, <laughs> as though that's not dangerous at all. Like, okay. <laughs> um, and then Ezekiel gets in there, and this was another part where my audience started laughing. Dakota Johnson like slams the door, like try opens the door to get in the car, and Ezekiel's standing right there, and it like lightly hits him, and he flies back. <laughs> like we're watching freaking Tom and Jerry over here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so they they narrowly escape. They go to the hotel. Um the uh so I've gone over it, like my audience laughing at this movie. This, of all the parts in this movie, was the hardest my audience ever laughed. Like, they were laughing harder than most comedy films I've yeah. seen in theaters. So Dakota Johnson was like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have left you. That was a mistake. And they, like, all go to bed. And she immediately, I swear, gets up and leaves them again. <laughs> <laughs> and this girl behind me in the theater, she goes, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> and by that, my friend heard that and he started like busting out laughing because she was laughing. And then that caused another friend of mine to start laughing. And then it caused me laughing. And before we knew it, the entire theater was bursting out laughing, <laughs> except for the sleeping kid in front of me. Uh, <laughs> so apparently this was just a dream here. Like Ezekiel is like Freddy Krueger. He could talk to people in their dreams. Now he has such weird powers. He, yeah, everything's very vague and <laughs> convenient. And as though his voice wasn't goofy enough, we now we have dialogue from this man. Who's like the most horrifically dubbed in history. And they, the, brilliant people behind this decide to make an echo effect around that so we get to hear his horrible line reads over and over and over again here it's like drilling in the center of my head <laughs> um so dakota johnson at this point is like you know what i'm just gonna we can't do this anymore it turns out to be another dream and uh she takes the kids to uncle ben's house and she goes like, hey, um, I, I want to hear this conversation, by the way, where he's like, yeah, you're accused of kidnapping. Here are these three teenage girls. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I can keep them for you. Sure, sure, whatever. Uh, I'll hide them in my house. Uh, it's Chili's for Peru. Well, question for you before we... Have you ever been in a food fight? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. I don't expect... Yeah. There, I, I just I've never been in a food fight. There's like three food fights in this movie, and it starts here. It's a small <laughs> one, but they're throwing popcorn at each other. Like, my, like I've got four year old kids. They know not to throw popcorn on each, like they would get in trouble for doing that. These are high school girls, and I can't remember when the other point is. But I, I there was an odd amount of food throwing in this. Oh, uh, like, they... I don't know. That's how I tease you. Like if we're out to lunch <laughs> together, I'm like picking pepperoni on my pizza. And, 
try to stick it on your forehead or something. Those teenage girls, they throw food at each other and they stand on tables. That that's what the kids do these days. <laughs> um, the, we actually, I, I'm sorry, I missed another great um, scene there where they like go all into their backstories at the hotel, and Dakota Johnson like. Uh, the girls they say they're like oh we're so similar we all have such similar like upbringings we all can't go back to where we were before like one girl's like oh my dad he was deported recently i'm all on my own i don't have anyone to come back to it's like okay so this other girl she's like well and then well you have dakota johnson she's like she has no parents at all she is all on her own then we get to the next girl and she's like yeah, my parents are uber rich and they're on a business trip. <laughs> I have no one to go to. It's like, huh? And, and, and then we get to the final girl and she's like, yeah, I have no one to go to either. My parents, they got divorced. It's like, what? <laughs> it's like, basically the same here thing yeah. here, you guys. <laughs> uh, that's great. So, so Dakota Johnson's this wanted fugitive. Um, and this is 2003. This is right after 9-11, essentially. Um, she's a wanted fugitive for kidnapping three children. She could just get casually get a ticket to Peru, leave the country very easily. Um, she goes to uh, this place where her mom was researching. Um, and all of a sudden, she sees the tribesmen from before. But rather than in, like, war paint and, like, fishnets and like bones now he has like an ascot and like jeans they, they went from like more orthodox spider people into more like youth pastor tribe people They're like <laughs> i just wanted to have like a guitar you know like you know spider-man he gets us <laughs> and yeah. so he sends her um uh this guy he's explaining he said like yes ezekiel's goals were selfish he will die for what he did he's cursed now and he's trying to outrun that curse this is again the spider lore is so vague um so ezekiel you got to remember this was 30 years ago that he did this and he's having a dream that in 20 years these three girls will come and kill him um he so he's cursed to die 50 years from now i mean after living a life of like extreme luxury and riches i mean i'd sign on the dotted line for that i mean you get incredible spider powers and just three spider women may or may not kill you 30 years from now or 50 years from now even um yeah and what oh, we've learned about the future is you it very easily changed Oh, speaking of which, we uh, <laughs> the tribesman reveals to Dakota Johnson that she could be in multiple places at the same time, which we'll get to that later. But she also he also says, you have the unique ability. You can change the future, um, which that kind of feels like an ability um, I have and everyone <laughs> has. Not very super, is it? Uh, which ability is more impressive? The ability to change the future or uh, Monica Rambo's ability to see light? <laughs> They're both very groundbreaking superpowers. 
so this tribe's dude, he's like, okay, he sends Dakota Johnson on this like weird um spiritual journey to see like her mom in the rainforest or whatever. Um, and anyway, the <laughs> they cut back to the flashback with her mom. She's like, ah, oh, man she's trying to keep me from researching, but I'm almost there. And Dakota Johnson, another point in which a friend of mine laughed, she goes, why did you hate me, mom? Uh, and apparently they reveal in a flashback that uh, her mom didn't hate her, which was a myth. I didn't need know we yeah. needed to be dispelled here, but she was looking for it to cure her daughter. Cause she had like debilitating illnesses or whatever. And so she is looking for the spider for her. And Dakota Johnson, good Lord, if she was trying, then I feel bad. Like this performance here is horrendous. She was not. Like, yeah. She's like, mom, I forgive you. You didn't hate me after all. It, it's so. <laughs> yeah. Uncomfortable. <laughs> Uh, and she says, she says out loud, uh, I'm so sad. I spent so long being mad at you. Um, yeah, I'm sad you spent that much time too. I feel like that's a really weird extrapolation. Like if like, let's say your dad like dies, like before you were born in a like freak construction accident, I feel like it'd be unreasonable to say like, Oh my gosh, my dad loved construction. So much. hated me. Yeah, uh, right. Um, so anyway, uh, we get my favorite line of the whole film, which is uh, the tribesmen going, uh, <laughs> and when you take on the responsibility, great power will come. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes, of course. Beautiful reincorporation there. <laughs> um, let me see. I actually pulled uh, a quote from the director on this here, oh, this okay. line. Um, let's see. Oh, she said, uh, so an interviewer asked her about why they decided to rework this line. She goes, we wanted to be honorable of the comics and where she came from. And I think that every hero has a moment where their mentor or someone important to them gives them a line which inspires them on the way. And this felt like a nod to where she was from while also making it hers. <laughs> hey, Evan. That was a whole lot of words there. Yeah. There's a few, like... Uh, just very on the nose Spider-Man references, but also like my understanding of my very limited, fair, limited understanding of Madam Web and the comic books is like it's not really a thing that needs to be connected. Like, like I don't know. It no. just she's not Spider-Man. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. The so, uh, what's her name? Like, uh. Is her name like Mary or something? The woman who's pregnant, her water breaks in Ben's house. Oh, I, I have no idea what her name is. We can use Mary. <laughs> so anyway, blonde lady's water breaks, and they leave with the girls to go to the hospital. Um, and immediately, 
Ezekiel scanners pick up this one girl's face from this darkened, shadowy area in 2003 camera quality. Okay. Um, and so Ezekiel comes out to kill them. Um, and he it's revealed he can turn all uh, streetlights green, which causes a traffic pileup. And he's ready to kill with his spider bomb that he now has. Uh, and Dakota Johnson breaks through a Calvin Klein this ad. This is so good. This is so good. <laughs> to knock him over in another really unintentionally funny scene. He leaps up to try to avoid the ambulance, and then it immediately just hits him faster. Yeah, I was trying to think, like, obviously, well, first of all, Dakota Johnson's number one weapon is a vehicle. She loves to <laughs> run through things and vehicles. We see this a few times. Um, and I was trying to think, like, because, it, yeah, he jumps into the accident, right? Like, it's his fault that he got hit. So <laughs> I, I was like, trying to wrap my mind around this. Like, okay, she sees the future. Did she know that he was going to jump up and get hit? So, like, even if I were to, like, if that's my headcanon of the situation which is ridiculous to begin with. It just means this guy's an idiot that like, he jumped in front of a car. And also how did she know it's the whole thing is, is insane. It's very hard on a serious level. Like we, we like are joking about like the powers being so vague and it being silly for that way. But this isn't us nitpicking. It's a serious problem, especially with the action scenes. It's very hard to be invested in anything happening action-wise because everyone's powers are so vague constantly. Like, I have no idea why people are doing stuff or what they can even do. By the end of the movie, they say, like, Dakota Johnson can be in multiple places at the same time. But I don't even know what that means, like, literally speaking. Um, so this whole action scene, I really just kind of skip through it in my notes because it's really just terrible. Yeah, and it's very essentially kind of an action scene, too. Like, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's very little like actual physical conflict that goes on. It's typically like cars blowing up and like three schoolgirls screaming. <laughs> yes, yes. The uh, they go to the like fireworks building to like set up a trap for him, and they s purposely set up all these fireworks to blow up, which ends up destroying a helicopter. I didn't know one firework could do that. Like it hits a helicopter and it blows up the entire thing. That was weird. Um, we have the giant Pepsi sign looming over watching our brave heroes as they go through this. Um, and uh, it re it's revealed that Madam Webb has the power to be in three places at the same time. So for one of them, she's like helping her up like with her hand, like, take my hand, I'll help you get up this thing. With the other, she's like, you can do it. You can do it. Trust me. Yes. And with the other one, it's the being same encouraging. <laughs> like, hey, you idiot, don't die. Like, oh, thank you, Madam Web. Um, so there's a we actually we we got the shot when we see the um the first time he sees the future, 
but it happens again when he does actually die. Um, and it's like the most comical way I've ever seen somebody fall and scream. Um, and so they did it twice. <laughs> that's the thing. Like they changed the future and now it's happening earlier. So we had to see it happen twice. And both times were equally really dumb and awkward and unbelievable. And it's like something out of like, I don't know, like um, I don't, days of our lives. If like a character <laughs> fell out, that's what it, like, it's, it's that overly dramatic and stupid. It reminded me a lot, actually, of the 2019 Lion King remake where Mufasa falls and he, he goes, ah, and Simba goes, no. Um, and it reminded me a lot of that. It's funny both times. Another point where my theater started laughing inappropriately loud. Mm -hmm. um, the <laughs> These fireworks work in truly mysterious ways blowing Madam up wa like like concrete <laughs> walls like the helicopter is one thing like i don't remember where it hit the helicopter but you can imagine if it hits the propeller in the right area something would happen it goes through a concrete wall you shoot a fire any firework will not penetrate a brick wall i'm sorry i won't find one the, that's why well, that's, that's why they call them missiles there's a there's a fine line between heavy artillery and uh fireworks <laughs> <laughs> just uh, uh turns out apparently the military doesn't need to contract with like the war dogs like jonah hill or something they just need to go to your average like fireworks usa store yeah um the one of these fireworks actually it's apparently an underwater firework because dakota johnson falls into the water and this one asshole firework not only did it somehow escape the building but it was slanted directly down into the water and it somehow is so potent that it made its way all through the water still burning and it totally blinded her that one firework i it's a stubborn one i tell you I, I'm glad you said that because I actually I didn't put it together. That was gonna be a question. I didn't know how she went blind, um, but yeah, that, that's also not how fireworks work. So um, I didn't kind of, they didn't really explain it to me, but at least I know that there was an intention. They they go back to the hospital, so like Dakota Johnson is now paralyzed and blind, which was communicated horribly. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew several people, like not just you, like the people I watched it with did not pick up on the blinding part with the firework. Mm -hmm. And the paralysis is weird because, I mean, I get that she fell off pretty high, but I mean, it's still water. Like, I, I don't know that that would paralyze you from the neck down per se or the waist down per se. Uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, it, it, I guess technically it is possible, but it's just a like, why pick that to be the accident? I guess I don't know. Well, like, that, and know. we literally have another scene in this movie where she falls in water in a very similar set of circumstances and she's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, we get our final uh Uncle Ben line of the movie, uh, where they're symbolizing great power. Um, they're talking about the baby was born and Dakota Johnson's now good. And one of the girls says, huh, he gets to have uh, talking about Ben as an uncle. She goes, huh, he gets to have all the fun without any of the responsibility. Mm, yes. And that's the other thing going back to like that line that they use, like it would make much more sense. You it'd be on the nose and cheesy as hell, but it'd be much more, uh, understandable if it was said to uncle ben again like that's the character that says the thing <laughs> uh 
they did they keep doing this in the movie they've done it with curtains they've done it with broken glass constantly oh, it's everywhere there's more references to spider webs than there are actual spider webs and we get it here where peter's born and they somehow make like a hospital curtain like symbolize a spider web like it doesn't even kind of look like a spider web but go off movie okay <laughs> And the final, we get to our final scene where, like, apparently Dakota Johnson adopted all these kids of varying degrees of, like, family separation. And it's, like, uh, Dakota Johnson's, like, sitting there all blind now in her wheelchair. And she's, and it's, like, the music is booming. It's beautiful. And the movie's almost pointing it to, like, yes, this is what it was all leading to. And it cuts to them a second time in the whole movie in their suits. Um, they used, I'm fairly certain, all of the footage they had in the movie in the trailer of these women in their spider suits. Um, now, I've seen some discourse on this online um, of, was this misleading? Because it is in the movie, unlike Morbius, uh, where they just outright didn't have stuff in the movie. It is technically in the movie, but I think most of us there's an inherent understanding that when a suit is in a trailer of a movie, there's an implication that it will at the very least be in other shots that aren't shown. Like, uh, so to me, this is incredibly misleading advertising. I was amazed how little actual spider action there was. Uh, it, it really is like disappointing because again like i said there were bad superhero movies that i can lean on and be like well that was a cool fight we don't get any of that we get nothing i mean it's really it's it's, it's disappointing like because again it's spider-man just have them swinging from buildings that's cool i actually um when my friends and i were leaving the movie um they i had some friends say like well at least it wasn't as bad as Love and Thunder, um, which I get that people don't like Love and Thunder, and I can see why someone might, like, I guess prefer this over that. But at the same time, I mean, Love and Thunder, it's an annoying movie, and it, like, fails in a lot of respects. But, like, I at least feel like Love and Thunder is a more functional movie as a superhero movie than this is. Like, Love and Thunder, even if the action scenes aren't great, they are there. Like, people show up in suits. They do what you kind of expect. This just has nothing. Yeah. Also, Love and Thunder was trying to be funny and was not. Madame Web was trying to be serious and was hilarious. So, um, I don't, I, I just don't know what's worse between the two. But Well, yeah, that's kind of an interesting question. Because, like, this is a terrible movie. I was talking to you about this before we went on. I... The only Marvel movies, like, since the year 2000 that I think might be worse than this that I've seen are Elektra and Ang Lee's Hulk. Like, this is far, far worse than anything the MCU has put out, for sure. I think it's worse than New Mutants. I think it's worse than Ghost Rider. I think it's worse than, like, whatever whatever you put in that spot. Um, but I will say, as far as entertainment value goes, like... This is if you want to riff on a movie with friends, this is a blast, in my opinion. And to be fair, I, I saw this movie alone, which I think was my first mistake. Um, so I didn't get like that communal experience that you did. So when I did walk in here, you know, I, I wasn't even coming out of this movie. I was like, I, that for me, 
you know, I guess people that have made it this far into the podcast, you're like, oh, should I see the movie? You know, Nathan's opinion that like, you know, it was entertaining for the wrong reasons. I was really, really just bored. Like, yeah, there were a couple points. I was like, ah, that's kind of like really dumb. But I was like, again, more so just like shrugging my shoulders and like looking at my phone and <laughs> wondering <laughs> when I should go to the bathroom again. Well, I do. Th- don't get me wrong. This movie is very frustrating. It's very repetitive. And it's just kind of a hard movie to look at at times. Like the editing and direction is terrible. Um, and it also just it's a terrible plot. It plods along like crazy um, scene. This movie is weird in that it's there will be just sections where nothing happens like dialogue that is just desperate to be cold desperate to be cut down and then there will just be scenes where like a million things happens all at once very similar actually to like a bad like transformers movie in that way yeah um so i will say there are way better movies to riff on with friends but i think like the right drunk movie night i think this i would recommend Uh, even over more morbius like morbius i just found kind of bland in its badness this is like you have to be there for this thing. Yeah. All right, Nathan, any final thoughts on Madam Web here? Let me look through my notes real quick. I'm probably going to kick myself later on. Like, um... Oh, uh, Dakota Johnson had another great quote uh, in the press junket. She said, I've never really done a movie where you are on a blue screen and there's fake explosions going off and someone's going explosion and you act like there's an explosion. That to me was absolutely psychotic. (laughs) She clearly is not liking this whole process here. Right. Oh, boy. Nathan, this was uh, a lot of fun to talk to you. I, I will say, you know, um, going into it, I was kind of resent- walking out of the theater. I was a little resenting. You know, I was like, you really made, you really tricked me. <laughs> you tricked me into seeing this movie. Um, but it was a lot of fun talking about. We had a lot of good laughs here. I appreciate you coming on. Um, do you want to, uh, is there anything you want to plug or tell people to check out or recommend uh, something? I don't know. Anything you want to close out with? Um, with the Academy Awards coming up, I know you've seen it already. Everyone go watch The Holdovers. It's phenomenal. Uh, it's, I don't even know if it necessarily deserves to win Best Picture over some of the stuff it's up against, but I adored it and uh, highly recommend. Yeah, Holdovers is great. Um, I really, do, yeah. Go see it, for sure. Zone of Interest, no. <laughs> that was my recent... <laughs> <laughs> also very boring movie <laughs> very bleak and boring both so. movies have to do with like time elapsing and uh you know uh poisoning poisoning oh the theme through yeah, both i guess yeah you make a comparison there. surveillance uh a theme in both of them yes for sure um okay nathan i want to close <laughs> I didn't know where to go from there. <laughs> uh, I'm going to close this out. I'd like to remind you guys to rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify, preferably five stars. Also, please subscribe because we're going to be here every single week. Bad Batch is starting back. We're going to have coverage of that. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Star Wars Pod. We also have a Discord community going on, so if that's something you're interested in, you can hit us up and we will get you in there. 
But that is all we got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.